Hello and welcome to the DJ Force 10 in Conversation podcast, episode 158. Uh, my special guest on today's show is the real DMT. Uh, he recently worked with Rob Swift, who I had on the show a couple of weeks ago, with their EP, The Cure. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to get uh, DMT's side of it, really, and and I got it, and and how he came to be, uh, who he is today, who he you know worked with, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but you'll hear all that in the interview. It was an absolute banging interview. Uh, really enjoyed speaking to him. Really nice guy. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it as well. But go check out that EP called The Cure. Uh, it is out on Fat Beats Records, but it's it's pure hip hop, please, and it's got a fantastic like message behind it as well uh it really does speak to the now if you will and uh yeah i i I absolutely love it um i've been listening to it along with all all this music that's been out it's been absolutely magnificent um and it's it's made my regular rotation uh really like rise of the machines off of it and overdose and my sort of favorite tracks on there but please check out the rob swift interview if you haven't already it's actually got a cup it's got a track on there um previewed i uh, actually played overdose on there uh which was really cool actually having music on the podcast that's only happened once before that when rich collins uh did a couple of live tracks for us um you want to go back and listen to that uh he is of imagination movers for those with kids uh former disney channel um regular if you will disney junior and it's i think it's on disney plus now which is awesome so um get your kids into that if you want your kids into sort of like a i, I call it a children's alternative rock band um and it, they're fantastic anyway going off the point here um big shout out to everyone again listening during quarantine absolutely fantastic thank you um looking for getting subscribers on youtube so please do that if you're listening on youtube thank you very much um if you're not don't worry about it go subscribe on another platform if you want um but i'm looking to get my youtube um, subscriptions up uh just purely because i am going to be producing some more visual content um podcast wise and sort of some other ideas i've got and uh i'd like to get that side of things up we're up to about 72 i think it is um and we're sort of climbing and it and it's been it's been great because i start when i started uh doing these podcasts it was like at 30 something um and i know these are tiny numbers compared to some other oh, 76 i'm just looking now 76 and i know these numbers are tiny compared to a lot of the other sort of like big channels out there but i'm really doing this on an organic level um i'm not paying for any kind of like promotions or anything like that um and you know un- until you know maybe if this podcast ever generates money that's when i'll put money back into it uh but right now my sort of day job funds my time and everything like that, that i do with this so blah, blah. you've heard all this before um but yeah uh big shout out to everyone um please pass it on as well you share it with one person share it with two people they share it with three people you know that kind of domino effect and uh yeah i'm sorry if i feel like i'm slurring my words or like kind of a bit um i literally started work back at work today actually physically at work today and uh yeah it really took it out of me to be perfectly honest with you i am i'm struggling to keep my eyes open um obviously recording this the night before uh it's released and um but i'm here 
I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> no, I'm all right, man. I'll, I, you know, I'll drink some water, have a bath. I'll be good. Um, but yeah, uh, I've got another DJ special tomorrow, so something to look forward to. That oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, on Friday, um, and then next week uh, we're going to kind of go back. We're going to strip it back a little bit um, and go back to a kind of like weekly, bi-weekly release um, of the podcast. I, ideally, I want to do two episodes a week: one DJ uh, related and the other one uh, band related. But obviously, you know, the chips may not fall in that favor uh, with work and people's schedules now because everyone's kind of like going back to work, if you will, or allowed to go out a bit more. Um, so I'm looking to uh, sort of hopefully keep it regular. Um, I think I think realistically, probably once every two weeks, um, that'll happen. Um, but I've got a few DJs lined up that I'm absolutely, I'm really excited about and uh, hopefully getting some more. Um, as time goes on also with the bands and stuff as well they're you know that they're, they're always around and i love speaking to all levels of bands so um that is all fantastic but i am rambling on now about random stuff and i'm gonna give you the real dmt enjoy <laughs> I'd like to welcome to my show today. I have the real DMT. Welcome, sir. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, doing real good, actually. I had I had a uh, this electric skateboard that had broken, and I called up this machine shop, uh, Long Island Racing, mm. and uh, they were able to get it all repaired for me, which uh, saves me from having to buy a new one, which I'm pretty happy about. Nice nice <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome especially in this time like with obviously a lot of stuff i don't know what it's like over there at the moment but a lot of stuff here is sort of reopening slowly how's it how's the lockdown kind of been for you guys oh um well it's places are it's supposed to be like a lock you know um there's supposed to be only essential businesses open and stuff but mm. you see a lot of essential businesses open regardless because the um people are very conspiratorial over here about it yeah. um it can't really be denied. Like no one's arguing that there's a virus out there killing people. Like I like I'm sure you know people who have personally been in the hospital. Like everybody knows somebody yeah. who has got sick off this, you know. So I don't know why people are walking around with like I'll go to, to Lowe's and I'll be wearing like a full face mask and everything, you know, just because I know there's actual virus out there. Regardless of you know, the why is debatable, the how is debatable, but the virus isn't debatable. So I'll have a face mask on. I'll see like thirty people in the store without face masks. Like, what are you doing? Like yeah. so it's Business owners over here, um, some of them are, you know, they don't even believe in the virus. So they just keep going business as usual. But a lot of places are closed. You know, like major chains have to be closed. But yeah. the mom and pop shop, a lot of them are open. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it was kind of almost the same here to a point. Um, it was kind of like it started more of like no one actually knew anyone that's had it and things like that. Um, but as sort of like the time went on and obviously the, the, the rate of infection increased and whatnot. And, you know, I've I've known people that have been personally affected by this um and and you know i'm I'm going back to work on wednesday so and but the place where i work is insisting people wear masks before they come in um like desanitize their hands and whatnot so um they're sort of like putting precautions in place but i do work for a very large company so you know they're, they're they're kind of like protecting obviously their staff members but also the public at the same time 
Yeah. You know, people will say the cloth masks are ineffective, yada, yada. And it's true. You know, if you're yeah. in a virus-filled room and you've got a cloth mask on, it's probably not going to help you very much. Mm-hmm. But with it, what I see about it is, I mean, when you breathe the cloth cloth mask, if you're breathing behind it for long enough, it'll get moist. And the reason why it's getting moist is because it's blocking your moisture, yeah. your vapor particles. You yeah. know? So everybody's wearing these masks, and there's exponentially less potentially infectious vapor particles in the air is the way that I see it. So if everyone's wearing them, it, it can help to reduce the chance, if, yeah. if that isn't how it's spread, because we don't know. You know, Dr. Fauci, for instance, I don't know, he's the guy who's like on America's Corona Task Force, but yeah. I just found out the other day that he donated a lot of money to the same Wuhan lab in, uh, in China for coronavirus research that was deemed too risky to be done in America. So there's a lot of fishy stuff going on about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely, there's a whole rabbit hole you can jump down, um, in, in that sort of style of things. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's sort of, there's, there's like odd things, obviously with our sort of like situation here, it was like initially they wanted, um, things to stay open, uh, and sort of like build a, a what they call the herd, uh, herd immunity. Um, right. yes. but when at that point you kind of like one, they didn't know what the virus was or how it spread, um, how severe it can be um and yeah. things like that and it was it was very like i like i said the company i worked for shut down first they were like they took the experience they had from china um and actually shut down their 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 operations a good sort of like two weeks before the rest of the country so right. i was quite fortunate on that front but i've been out in this time and there are people out there without masks on and yeah and it is it is kind of i mean now they've kind of made a lot of stuff mandatory when it comes to public transport and stuff here because obviously they're opening up the sort of like non-essential businesses um but yeah no. the opening you know whether i know a lot of the numbers are being exaggerated and stuff like that you know the there is a report that the cdc over here the central the center for disease control was mixing the numbers for their antigen and antibody tests which are you know antigen tests tests for who the virus is mm. actively in and the antibody test test for who is immune to the virus yeah so they were mixing all those numbers together to boot to like more than triple the numbers of what it looks so there's a whole numbers game being played right now so yeah no we, we- have the same thing because <laughs> they, they were like, classing the two the two tests that people had they were classing them as individual like on their on their numbers as individual tests so it kind of like it doubled whatever number they had and they were trying to reach a hundred thousand a day or whatever it was and yeah it's a it's a certainly a, a strange web they're weaving so yeah. <laughs> we'll see we'll see where it goes curtain. sorry say again i said a lot of smoke and mirrors being put up by the man behind the curtain yes yeah. exactly that exactly that exactly that but um why we chose the cure you know for the name of our ep yeah because um not just the cure for covid obviously you know but <laughs> For a lot of the status quo, you know, from hip hop to media to social media, you know, just the cure. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I was just going to bring it on to that. In fact, I was just like, um, like a lot of the stuff you you, you talk about in in on the record um, is very kind of like obviously very current events and things like that. But you kind of go along the scope of of, of sort of like like mental health and things like that, which I thought was really cool. Um, but also sort of like just generally commenting on the on the state of things um which again was like this what kind of really drew me to it um because i i do sort of like i sort of i sort of jump in and out of hip-hop i'm not i'm not a massive like i wouldn't say i was like a, a massive fan i was when i was younger i'm a i'm a dj by you know 
um by like what i've been doing from since i was since i was 11 um so hip-hop was obviously infused in a lot of what i did because i was a scratch dj for the longest time um but i sort of jump in and out and it kind of got you know there was a lot of like a time where it just wasn't speaking to me if you will um and then and then i heard this that your ep actually and it was like it was probably the first time in about Ooh, I want to say 10 years or so like something actually from that genre spoke to me because my my normal kind of um I say my normal like musical preference is rock music um, gotcha. going on my like sort of like previous guests to this show I've had you know some of the biggest sort of like metal bands if you will in the world um but yeah no I just wanted to you know um so it like it was the first time in like like I said like 10 years that something actually spoke to me from that genre which I thought was really cool thank you bro respect it's a huge honor to hear that man for real that's it's all good man it's all good I was just sort of like wanting to sort of find out a bit more about your sort your side of it because I got Rob's side of it um a couple of weeks ago uh I interviewed him and his good lady Dilly um and um you know that was sort of like uh, it was mainly around my sort of like DJing side of things because I was I, I've known him since he was I don't, I'm sorry I've known him I've known of him since he was X Men Executioners stuff like that back in the day um, but yeah I just wanted to sort of like get your perspective on it really because um, obviously you were the voice on this one um, so yeah. wh- where 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 did you sort of like draw those influences from obviously I know it was sort of like a lot of everyday sort of stuff but what 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 was your sort of main sort of vibe on it well the uh the you know rob and i rob and i co-produced a lot of the uh the instrumentals for it. he did like all the scratching you know what i mean yeah. and um and he would also um tell like certain songs he was like yo sample this you know and uh like um which one was a ser you know i am mm-hmm. that that song that was total rob was like this is this is what we're gonna sample you know what i mean and um it kind of evolved from there he had a, a uh like I would present him with a rudimentary beat, like, "Hey, this is a rough beat. Like, what do you think of the direction we're going?" You know, and he and he would give a lot of input on it, like, "Oh, like the drums are too like, let's try something a little bit more like it's two four four, or, you know." And um, then I would send it to him once it once it sounded good, like the direction was on, and he'd send me back a version with scratches and like a whole like, "Hey, this is um, you know like the um, wormhole wormhole song was yeah. completely." Um, like out of, out of my head, for instance. But um, the numbers, like uh, the overdose song, originally um, I had just called it numbers because uh, the concept was numbers. Yeah. And uh, Rob's been going to be about that for over a year now since like, since I'd say about the time when we switched from the three o'clock flow to the two o'clock flow, he started bringing up a song, you know, about like numbers, about society's obsession with numbers. So that one's been in the making for a long time. Yeah. And when, uh, when that, um, when we uh, when we co-produced that beat, he said, "DMC, this is the beat for numbers. This is the beat for numbers right here." So, um, and he would uh, you know give me uh, some inspiration. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like listen to a couple of lines from this song. You know, I see something along the lines of this, and I would um, take it from there. You know, so it nice. was it was a lot of uh, back and forth between Rob and I, and a lot of a lot of direction from him. To be to be absolutely honest, you know. He's a, a guru in the hip hop world, so yeah. when he says something, I, <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, no, I was quite fortunate. He's, he's obviously, I, I listened to the EP before I chatted to him, but he sent me the um, instrumental version as well. Which yeah. some, some of the beats on there I really loved. 
Um, I've been scratching along to them, to be fair. So <laughs> I've been using them as practice. Um, but no, no, I was going to say the production on it was really cool. I mean, so, like I say, you, you kind of like bounced off Rob with the, the sort of vibe of things and he gave his sort of like, uh, of the input of being a DJ, you kind of have that kind of like, um, feeling that a beat is hitting right. You know, like kind yeah. of like reading the room, if you will, you find that break and you're like, oh, wow. You know, that's it. Yeah. He also did a lot of production on it as well. Like I would send him, I would send him the tracks, and he would send me back like tracks. It would be with scratches. Certain sections would be mute. Like he would take the drums out at certain pot, uh, mm. spots, put them back in. Like for Mood Indigo, for instance, the original uh, version that I sent him had the the drums going all the way through the uh, the chorus, okay. um, and he sent me back had a lot of the drums removed to create more of like a blue mood, which I thought was a great. You know, we when he does something like that, it's just like, yep, that's how it is. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> we co-produced, yeah, we we uh, we co-produced those beats together, and um, it came out really nice. I think. Yeah, I, mean, no. I was really. It came out. No, it is it is a solid EP. Like I said, like it, like I said, it turned my head. It kind of gave me the vibe of. Uh, uh, it was kind of like this generation's kind of message, if you will. I think I said I kind of gave it a bit of hype on that front, um, but it was it was very much like like I say overdose. That was something that that was obviously the first track I heard. But like you mentioned there, um, it does has a lot of numbers. Like you know, is that kind of like when's enough enough? You know, when you've got you know exactly. ten thousand followers and you want ten thousand more, you know, right? So yeah, no, I was just sort of like you know, how, how did you feel writing that? well that song was like it, it the first two verses came to me really quickly um they uh it was just kind of like stream of thought um the uh the third verse i i'd sent rob the first two verses um just they just blowed right out of me like i was saying and um i was saying like oh i'll get to the third verse in, a, in another day or two and um i started writing down for the third verse uh, a whole bunch of statistics like i went online and just looked up like how many people die every day? How many people are born every day? I just wanted a whole bunch of numbers for me to play with to kind of put together a big picture and um, just kind of zoomed out like, okay, if this is how many people are dying every day and this is how many people are being born every day, then we have this many babies coming into the world. No wonder the internet is always geared, like just the idea started forming in my head yeah. that everybody, like the internet completely caters to babies. It's all about clicks. Everything is about clicks, how many views you have. It's how you get paid on YouTube. Everything is about numbers. Yep. So they, everybody knows that a child will generate more clicks than an adult will because a child, you know, they got their favorite song. They'll mm -hmm. click it a hundred times in a day. You know, they want to hear that song over and over and over. There's no adult that's going to be clicking a song a hundred times in a day who's not like doing it for research purposes or something like that, you know? Yeah. So. That's where that line came from, you know, wonder why the world is dumb because the world catered to the very, very, very young. Yeah. Uh, I was just trying to get, like, you know, some messages out about why the world is the way it is right now. And yeah. You see Boss Baby, everything's about Boss Baby. It's a whole different world. Like, I see the way people raise their kids now. They're afraid to tell their kids no. Like, God forbid a, a child needs to be disciplined. I'm not talking about, like, hitting the child. I mean, like, yeah. discipline kind of way. Like, parents are embarrassed to do it. Like, we don't tell our child no no is a limiting word you know it's it's a whole different world like it's kind of creating a um a, a a new kind of like very highly entitled very highly spoiled generation in my opinion but we'll we'll see where it goes you know because at the same time we have a lot of aware we have a lot of racial awareness yep. we have a lot of you know it's like the dakota access pipeline just got struck down you know not too long ago by a federal judge like that's huge you mm -hmm. know so we have 
we have the the needle definitely moving in in a different direction now. Um, so we'll see. You know, everything's up in the air. Yeah. But um. Yeah. No, I agree with you on the sort of like the the sort of parenting side of it because I'm a parent myself. Um, but I do tell my children no. <laughs> um, yeah, but they, they 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 it's kind of like because we 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 discussed it. My wife and I have like you know when it when it comes to um like because at the time it was a lot of like um like you know it was like limiting words and you know sort of like stopping your child's creativity and stuff like that. But we kind of like came to a point where we we're like, well, you know, we were told no on certain things, but we still did stuff. But then if it did end up sort of like backfiring, then th- we'd know why the no was there. Like, whereas if it backfires on you without the no, sometimes you think that's the normal. And you keep exactly, doing it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Balance. There has to be boundaries. You know, I mean, like, you know, give the sky's the limit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree with the concept of not limiting a child's growth or imagination or stuff like that. I'm just commenting on like the overall um, society right now where, you know, it's just completely catering, catering to children, especially the internet. Yeah. You know, uh, look at the YouTube videos that have the most views. It's all people being super duper silly, you know, oh my God, like do act, you know, yeah. with like little animations and stuff. And uh, I don't know, it's a new, new kind of new kind of marketing machine, almost like people, feeding off of the young i guess you could say yeah which is like my, people have told me so many times like dumb your lyrics down like try some mumble rap. Right? like this is what's this is what sells right now and my response to all of them is i don't care like i like i'm not making music so because that's what sells like mm. i want to be like i want to have integrity i want to make something that i want to listen to you know something yeah. that i'm that i'm proud of that that speaks my message uh, rather than something that i believe will just you know generate clicks and and uh and make me money yeah. you know yeah no I, make- I mean i've, I've i see firsthand with like because my kids have technology to use and they're on things like tiktok and stuff like that and and i do like when when they're on it you know when they've got the time on it um they are repeating the same song over and over again and it's the same obviously that artist is getting the click every time their sort of like 20 second clip is played and it's like right. it, which is thinking now like how can i get that that viral 20 second dumb dance that everyone clicks on, you know, exactly. which is like the wrong way to take totally in my, and I, I try to stay away from the word wrong, but in my opinion, this is definitely the wrong um, avenue to approach creativity, you know, is yeah. what will generate the most money or what, what is trendy right now, because what's trendy right now won't be trendy tomorrow. And you know, it's, yeah. it's it's got a date on it. Like, might as well make actual art. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And when, like, sort of, like, trends and stuff come around before, they've lasted a lot longer than they do now. Um, like, you get a sort of, like, a certain, like, you know, a clothing trend or even, like, a sort of musical style trend. Now, these days, cause, because that that 20-second market is there, like you say, the next day, it's, it's on to the next trend. It's on to the next, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it goes around so quickly. Like now, it's just like I mean, I'm trying not to speak as an old man, but it's like, uh, hey, I'm 32, so you know we're all okay. Cool, uh, not too far off me then. That's fine. <laughs> but no, I just it, it, you know you're right in that that sort of sense, and 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 like when I like listen to the music that you guys put out and stuff, it is like that. I think that's what spoke to me. It was just like all those numbers because obviously I'm doing this this kind of thing the the podcast if you will um but i'm not doing it for the numbers i mean i give the numbers to people that ask for them yeah you know like you can't help but count it obviously but um 
you know, it's it's better when when they're organic. You know, like people yeah. buy views. Like people are, you know, people buy views to generate the false conception that people are clicking on it to create, you know, a snowball effect of getting more views. Yeah. Because and it's crazy because sometimes that works. Like you see artists who have, you know, uh, uh, like two million followers and they put out something and it gets like you know, five hundred clicks. You know, they bought all their followers. You yes. know, it's it's uh i don't know yeah no it's de- that's definitely true i mean I, i'd like to say it with with mine it is purely organic i i haven't paid for any advertising um i i haven't really had advertising on the show either like i had a few affiliate sort of schemes as i did at the start to kind of try it out but it always felt so bad <laughs> i couldn't do it um it's, it's crazy yeah so i just do it to support the artists and i have a day job to pay for everything else so yeah man respect yeah i actually have an interview coming up i'm doing a uh I'm interviewing for electronics repair because I'm I'm pretty handy with soldering. Oh, okay, you know I mean? cool. Sixty-five inch uh, TV screen that I uh, I fixed by pulling out the heatsink and soldering in some new capacitors. So I saw a little ad and uh and indeed for electronic repair guys like ah, that's something I could do that wouldn't you know yeah uh, impede with my art too much. So when it comes to your lyrical style, it's quite it's quite unique from what I heard. Um, and I was just sort of curious as to who you look at as your um, sort of main sort of like um, muses, if you will. Well, I grew up in the Napster age, you know what I mean? So I had every, like, I would type in hip hop and download the entire list. You know what I mean? Like, we, okay. back in the day, I remember when Napster came out and it just blew everyone's minds. And it's like, who who would pay for music, you know, when it's just all, everyone's getting it for free. Everyone had, you know, you just buy a recordable seed, put 10 billion MP3s on it. So I would, you know, everyone, man, I was listening to Lost Boys. I was listening to Rakim. I was listening to Wu-Tang Clan, Eminem, 50 nice. Cent, you know, Red Meth, ev- everything. Like, big pun. Um, it's, you know, I, I, heard a, I heard a lyric a while back saying, you know, you can download an entire album for free. You know, wonder where you get your rhyme style. You know, and I, that kind of um, resounded with me a little bit because I was like, oh, yeah, you know, well, I, I have like a million different influences. So I, I can't really say like, oh, it's mostly, you know, M's like, you know, sprinkle a little Big L on top. What the fuck do you have? He knows all his influences. <laughs> but mine's like, it's it's the whole thing. Like when I was when I was like six, I uh, my mama, like my like everyone's got that thing. They click on a million times. My favorite thing when I was younger that I was like, oh play it again play it again was a hip-hop storybook audiobook um it was aesop's fables i don't remember the exact name but like they had a, a story for a hip-hop story for like every single one of a aesop's uh fables like nice. uh you know the fish is yeah. it once upon a, a long time ago out by the sea where the cold winds blow a fisherman lived with his wife and a cat they <laughs> fish every you know so and i was like play it again play it again so I grew up like with that old school, like eighties flow ingrained in me without even realizing it. So when, you know, I picked up a pen one day, I think I was like 11 years old. And, um, I, uh, I, sh- I wrote to the, um, to, you know, uh, hoop, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that. And uh, that was like the first rhyme that I, that I actually wrote was, um, was basically to that rhymes to that, like, uh, I guess like demographic, that, like, um, syllabic demographic, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and just kind of evolved from there. But I used to like write rhymes in math class and like what, regardless what I was doing, you know, what I was supposed to be doing, I'd be writing rhymes, writing them in my head. I had like a notebook with me wherever I went. Mm. And, um, it, uh, 
most recently, my, my most recent um, influence is Beast 1333. I was listening to him so much that I had to stop listening to him because I was worried that I would start sounding like him. You know what I mean? Okay. But uh, yeah, big shout out to Beast thirteen thirty three. If you haven't checked out his music, check him out. He's he's legit. Nice. Um, I've talked to him for years and years, and uh, we finally made a song together called Def Pod, which I'm super proud of. Love that track. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I have a lot of influences. Um, I was going to ask what what your sort of like your sort of like origin story. Obviously, you gave me a little bit there with with your influence side of things. But how did you get involved with uh, or into the sort of like hip hop scene, if you will? Well, um, I was always rhyming in, in high school. Like I went to a very, uh, a very, went to a very uh, like hip hop. Like everyone in everyone in my high school was an, an MC. Everybody was a rapper. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, they were bad. Like we would like every lunch there would be bad. Like people tapping the pen on the table. You know, to like the um, uh, what beat was it? Grinding. You know. Mm. <laughs> that, that, and everyone would just just battle freestyle battles all the time. And, um, you know, fights would break. It was like, it, it was, it was pretty intense. Bayshore high school. And, um, <laughs> one, yeah, it, uh, how did it begin? I actually got like a little eight track recorder and I would call it the studio. And I was, it was like two, two mixers with like a little EQ wheel and you could record on, you'd have one tape with the beat and one tape with the uh, lyrics. Then you combine them together basically. And I would call that the studio, like, come to the studio, you know? And, <laughs> And uh, 13 years old, we'd we'd uh, record on that thing, and the quality was awful. And then um, I had a friend who was in Bosi's for recording, uh, Stefan, uh, Stefan Coldborn, and uh, he he and I linked up, and he knew some Pro Tools, and we started learning Pro Tools. He taught me what he knew, and we started expanding from there. Um, I bought like a whole system, and we started uh, we started making music and stuff. And um, but you know, right before actually before I bought that system, I had linked up with a uh, with Ken Wallace from uh, Ian London Productions, he's the guy who made the um, the Ghostbusters soundtrack, and he produced uh, um, Red Man. What the album? Yep. And, uh, uh, linked up with him, recorded a little bit with him, and uh, he had told me uh, when I was like fifteen, you know what I mean? Uh, my grandpa's there, you know, like oh, like he's oh, very, he's very talented. He's very talented. He was saying my my grandpa was like, oh, well, why don't you you know produce him or why don't you do that? We thought it was just like oh, you know, I'd get heard and be you know everyone's like oh just get signed it's like everybody's <laughs> if you know, they just rhyme someone the right person will hear it and make a million dollars that's what everyone thought um which of course isn't the reality although hip-hop sold that dream to a lot of people yeah um so i um he, he gave me this advice said, listen like in, in all honesty if this is what you want to do you've got to go and immerse yourself in the hood like you got to go into the into the ghetto and just immerse yourself in there because right now you're like, you're very talented. You got a lot of lyrics, but you don't have any street cred. Mm. So I was like, Oh, that's what I got to do. So, you know, I immersed myself in the hood and, um, it was like, I was recording everyone from Bronx to wine dance. And we live in a very, we live in Brightwaters, which has a nickname of uh, white waters. Okay. And the neighbors <laughs> not much like you know, there's like very, there's like some very racial undertones here. So our neighbors did not like seeing, you know, black guys and do rags in the driveway, you know, and or smoking blunts and hanging out, you know, and shooting music videos on my back deck. <laughs> One day we're shooting music video on my back deck and like five cops roll up and I turn my camera whoop, on them and uh, they stop going, oh, hey, how you doing? No, we're just checking up on things. They said they smelled weed. You know, you never said this. Was a, See you later. And I was like, oh, you want to be in the video? You want to be in the video? <laughs> and, and they left, you know, but 
but didn't have that camera, I wonder what they would have done, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, so um, they, the town came eventually and with a, with an order to shut, they came with a search warrant. Um, they shut down the studio and told me I couldn't rebuild the studio. Um, so I had to like very slowly over the years rebuild it into like a personal studio. I wasn't allowed to like record people professionally. They said we didn't have like our variance permit or whatever. They really went went hard at us to shut us down, mm. you know. And um, it uh, I, I might be getting a little off off topic here. That's all right. So um, long story short, you know, I uh, I I'd been recording everyone for years and years and. Um, I had some run-ins with the, with the police in the recording studio. And so, you know, I'm like some weed and stuff in my studio. And, uh, and so that, that was, um, a, a whole thing, you know what I mean? And, uh, basically, um, my, I used to have a whole group, like me, it was me and, uh, this group LIF mm-hmm. and, uh, we had a little falling out back in the day. I'm still friends with a lot of the people in there, but, um, it, it became just uh, just me doing my thing for many years. And then I linked up with this other production team um, where I came up with like the name and the artwork and uh, we were green screen and stuff. They were using all my equipment for everything, uh, Bigger Bang Media. And um, they ended up, I was supposed to be, you know, cut in on like the, as one of the owners, one of the founders of the company. And they ended up offering me like a 360 deal, which was a total insult to me. Um, so I got all my stuff back from them. You know, I was, I was staying up all night doing animations for them and, you know, just then not, not work that I ever got paid for or anything like that. Mm. And so for that, them to offer me a 360 deal just felt like such a stab in the back. And, uh, that's when my friend Calico, um, actually who I had met through that production team that had tried to offer me the, uh, the 360 deal, he introduced me to Rob Swift. He came over to cut a, he lived in Oregon. He drove out here to New York. Uh, which is like six day drive mm. um, to cut some tracks with me uh, among other things, but mainly to cut some tracks with me. So we cut a few tracks together and then he was like, dude, I'm going to go to Queens and um, meet DJ Rob Swift. I'd like you to come with me uh, tomorrow. And I, I was like, where are we going? What, what are we doing? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're, we're going to this place in Queens tomorrow. I was like, okay, cool. I'm with it. Then, tomorrow comes, you know, and he, he wakes me up and he's like, all right, yeah, we, it's like five in the morning. We got to get there. They're, you know, the line. So I was like, wait, 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 we have to get there. At what time? What are you waking me up right now for? What? I was like, I don't know about this, man. <laughs> so we, he's like, listen, I just drove six days out here. I was like, okay, you went. So, <laughs> uh, he dragged me out there and I had no idea what to expect. We're waiting. We're like the first people in line waiting in the line. Avatar comes out with his, uh, with his camera phone on a pair on, on a selfie stick with a, um on periscope and he's like good morning he does the whole two o'clock flow thing you know the super saturday thing and um uh my uh, calico goes yo my boy he spits hot fire he spits rides i'm like oh come on <laughs> and it, so avatar's like all right he turns to the camera he's like go ahead you know spit something and so i kicked i think i uh i was, I was like um I was like, hit you with a little bit of amount of ability on splitting the syllables and killing the depiction of the lyrical flow with the imagery, then put it all together with the flow magic symmetry. Irracular beat, rhyme, no pause. You hear the flow to give known the drop draw. You know, something I wrote a while back. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he flipped out. And um, so they, uh, I ended up rhyming with Rob on the uh, Rob and Avatar on the, um, on the mic, like way later. But the, interestingly enough, the first day, and they've never done the sense, that first day that I came in, I sat down, in walks the beat nuts, right? Cycle the beat nuts. Yeah. And then in walks MC Supernatural. 
just randomly, like I said, never happened before. And they put on this whole hip hop show. You could see if you look up um, MC Supernatural, the three o'clock flow, you'll see me. That was my first day. That was my first time meeting Rob Swift. You'll see me. I'm just sitting there, just mind blown. Like, what the, what kind of place is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, came back and Avatar points to the mic and he's like, you want this? And I was like, yeah. And we just started from there. It became a thing. Like every Saturday we were, we were coming in, me and Avatar rhyming with Rob. And then it became every other Saturday. And then it became uh, one Saturday a month, you know, but it went on for like five years. We were doing the, the wow. three o'clock flow, well, three o'clock flow, two o'clock flow. Mm-hmm. And I wrote something new for it every single time. I'd always look for like, listen to what was going on and write something completely fresh. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know if you heard, we had that governor out here who painted his face um, with shoe paste to put on blackface, like at like some party back in the day. You know, like whenever something like that would happen, I, you know, it's like a dude with shoe pays governor blackface, another bad taste of racism, a nation and bad place, Supreme Justice raping him while Kavanaugh crying, hold calendar, Rob Swift spinning the beat for me and Avatar, you know, like when uh, that was when Brett Kavanaugh, obviously the Supreme Supreme Court rapist, the Supreme Justice who, you know, yes. yeah, well, you get it. Yeah. No, I, I lived in the States for a while, so I was kind of like, I, I saw everything firsthand um, on that front. I was in... Th- Sorry? I said it's just unbelievable. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And I was, I was, um, yeah, I was based in Florida for, for five years, and um, I saw the whole, like, the Trump thing happening from start to finish. Like, I, because I, 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 obviously I'm not, I wasn't a citizen. I'm still not, obviously not a citizen there, but, um, I couldn't vote, but I, I actually sat down and cause I didn't have like, I say it didn't have a horse in the race, if you will. Right. Um, as soon as Trump started like going through stuff, I was like, he's going to win because every time he speaks, he's on the front page. It doesn't matter what that bastard is saying. Yeah. It, it takes away. That's like they say. Yeah. And, no. and it was just like it was just it was crazy and like obviously with everything else that happened sequentially after that as well and i'm like like watching it from afar as well from here obviously we only get portions of the story if you will because our media will read it one way um you know and then you don't have the sort of like variety of news outlets that you would have in the states you know we've got our 24-hour news channels but you know we don't get the uh constant local updates if you will yeah, no, I hear you. It's, you know, there's so much, lar- like, there's so much area in the United States. We have so much local news that can pick up so much, like, so many scandals were picked up by, lo- like, Miami Herald, like, local papers that then got picked up by, you know, by major yep. news outlets. When you have um, less less area and more, it's more constant, you know, like, you can have more of a monopoly on the news by things. Like, Daily Mail, I think, would be, like, your Fox News yes. over there, right? Like, yeah. It, so companies like that can have such a stranglehold on public opinion and, and sway the uh, what's going on. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I've got a couple of questions left for you, man, if that's all right. I'm going to let you get on with the rest yeah, of your absolutely. day. Um, Sorry to keep rambling on, man. I know I've gone off on a couple of tangents. No, don't worry about it. This I, I, That's what I like about sort of like the podcast format. It's long form. It's very kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I've got talking points rather than random questions, sort of stuff like that. So it's all good, man. Right, it's all right. good. Um, but what I want to find out, these are kind of my generic saying that I've got these generic questions coming up for you now. Um, but what I want to find out are your, um, the three, 
if you could specify the three albums that really kind of define who you are now um so maybe the one obviously you've kind of already said the ones that kind of made you want to rhyme which was the sort like the storybook stuff and things like that right but, right i was younger yeah no but actually like actual hip-hop album or, right, or like, any album it doesn't have to be hip-hop if there was any other genre that you kind of like you know had a, a significant effect on you um that's kind of what i want right. to find out well uh the i guess the biggest my like the, the albums that really struck me the hardest were when I was when I was you know youngest uh, when I was like twelve thirteen years old just CD player playing over and over and over again because mm. back then you know like before Napster came out you know before you could just download anything you had your CD you had you know and you just listened to it all the time yep. so my first the Slim Shady LP nice honestly when I got my hands on the Slim Shady LP my whole world changed I walked around listening to that day in and day like hi my name is you know i yep. was i used to be eminem's biggest fan when i was younger <laughs> like i knew i used to just like oh if i met eminem oh my god you know what i mean like i used to just i i was a huge eminem fan nice. um marshall mathers lp same thing like i um before that like before before um the the slim shady lp um i actually like kind of embarrassed to admit it but i used to listen to a lot of you know significant other like limp biscuit you yeah. know back when before it was uh, taboo to listen to limp biscuit <laughs> uh, but uh let's see uh, red man i loved red man um not even uh well, well out, like actual albums it would have to be i guess like from like 12 13 it would be like significant other slim shady and marshall mathers lp would be like the three that i okay. got my hands on that i would just listen all the time when i was when i was real young when i got older you know uh the 36 chambers you yeah. know what i mean i was oh man i was big into wu-tang um what you call it um it's funny because actually when i got older it wasn't even like the point where you got albums i was just downloading the entire list and my albums were like an mp3 cd with like 280 songs mm. <laughs> just, you know go down the whole, the whole list but um yeah that's that's pretty much <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool i mean i got i got some love for limp biscuit don't get me wrong i uh because being in the sort of like rock fraternity and i sort of mm -hmm. around that age i was sort of like late teens uh, early 20s so um they're sort of like bands that had significant moments like with yeah. me, their album, the three dollar bill you are significant other uh chocolate starfish okay. stuff like that um and i was actually a scratch dj in a metal band during the during... oh that's kind of dope so um, you know i had that, that element with me interesting, um like audio visuals of what that would sound like you have to send me something of, of like what the what what a performance got like a sample of what that yeah. would sound like scratching a heavy metal yeah no I'll, I'll send you something after this that's all good yeah, <laughs> um but you know we've got we've got like you know we had three albums out we did quite well we toured like europe uk so we did all right on that front but it was um you know limp biscuit i always loved dj lethal so it was kind of like you know any of those bands that had the dj like yeah there were like quite significant ones for me and there were one of them them incubus um <laughs> trying to think of others deftones um kind of had a dj he was there live couldn't really hear him on the record yeah. but he was there um, <laughs> um but yeah cool. no just that whole sort of like new metal like crossover movement was really big for me because it kind of took that oh. kind of hip-hop element that i loved but the sort of like rock and metal side of things that i loved yeah and it just like, isn't it, it thing how rock and metal took like the the dj element in a bit and 
and hip hop kind of lost it. You notice how MCs stopped having DJs at one point, like it was just like press play, like someone's in the back, they just hit play, like the the DJ is not even a part of the show, their job is just to like cue up the beat, you know, Um, like any show, I went to, I remember I got a a free ticket to go to a Little Wayne show one time at uh, Nassau College, uh, not Nassau, um, what was it, Jones Beach Amphitheater, Mm. and uh, there was like, there wasn't even a DJ, like I was, like, or if there was, like we didn't see him, you know what I mean, Um, but uh, just... It's interesting because hip hop originated as the DJ, like the MC came later. You know, it was originally like DJ Cool Hurt. Well, it wasn't even. It's it's funny. I learned this from Beast thirteen thirty three actually. Um, but uh, it wasn't uh, just DJ Cool Herc who came out who invented hip hop. The idea was actually his sisters. Mm. Uh, DJ Cool Herc's sister was the one who kept pushing him to to you know to make the part like loop loop the break beat like you're doing. At the part, like bring your stuff to this party. Well, people are gonna love this, and he didn't want to risk his equipment, and she kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, he did it. You know, mm. so nobody gives his sister the credit that she deserves. But originally, apparently, you know, I, I'm not an expert in this, and that's what I heard. But apparently, <laughs> originally, uh, he didn't. He he was reluctant to do it, and she was like, "Come on," you know. Yeah. So well, you always have to have that moment, <laughs> you know, that person behind you that you know is the kind of like you know they stand outside the spotlight, if you will, but. You know, yeah, they're, they're, right. they're, they're the muse for that situation and stuff, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, no, as I was when I was speaking to Rob as well, like he did a, um, a hit. Well, the Executioners uh, collaborated with Lincoln Park um, for a track called "It's Going Down," and uh, that, yeah, check that out. It was like it was one of those moments for me being because like being a DJ in a metal band was always kind of like you say it was kind of taboo. Well, you said that biscuit was taboo, but it was like that element was. Oh, like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was always kind of like, cause it was in metal, metal was always guitars and, and screaming and whatnot and, and stuff like that. So right. the DJ, they, they, it wasn't very welcoming for that side of things, you know? So I always had, like, had it a, like that kind of like that impetus to kind of like prove them wrong and stuff like that, that collaboration. And then a lot of de- like bigger bands came along, Slipknot for, for instance, they got a DJ, you know? Right. And you know, it's sort of it, it, it's sort of like you know, fighting that corner, if you will. Yeah, and they, you know, really at that point, well, it, it was our, it was like that before, but I feel like people in the mainstream started seeing DJing. Like Rob has a song called "A Scratch Is a Musical Note," mm. and that is so apparent in when it's used as an instrument like that. You know what I mean? When it's not just like scratching a, a chorus, but actually a part of the instrumental of the uh, the music that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, my last question for you um, is: uh, What are your hobbies away from music? So, when you're not rhyming, when you're not producing, yeah. what do you kind of do to sort of like you know either get away from it, or do you have any other sort of like passions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love like my girl and I love going to the beach. Like um, nice. we uh, we're big we're big beach people. I mean, we haven't been able to too much lately because everyone I don't know why everyone is on the beach right now and it's just scary. So we're like, oh, let's not get out of the car. Actually, let's go back. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we uh, I like you know we're at the ocean like five minutes away from me, so I body surf when I can. Nice. Um, I also I like playing video games. I always play video games. Um, that's uh, that's always fun. Keeps your mind sharp. Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, I smoke trees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got my electric skateboard. I, I like to go out and just, you know, zoom around on the electric skateboard. It's like, um, feels like cheating. It's like a, it's like the concrete becomes an endless wave on a surfboard and you just, you just go nice. back to the future. That's a lot of fun. Um, 
But sometimes, you know, my girl and I will just hop in the car and drive by the beach, you know, and just like just chill. Yeah. You know? Cool. Cool. Whatever, what? whatever it is. Whatever's the deal. Nice. <laughs> nice. What games you playing at the moment? Because I'm a big video game person, so. Oh, uh, right now. Uh, well, yeah, I, I chef too. It's fun. My uh, ah. mom's walking around right now. She's hearing me. So she's like, you're also a chef. I like, yes, I, I, I chef as well. Nice. <laughs> I was actually eventually at Carnegie Hall. Um, but um, what do you call it? They, uh, the game I'm playing right now, I just started playing No Man's Sky. Ah, okay. uh, which is crazy. Uh, you're running around on different worlds, gathering like copper and sodium and stuff like that. That's nuts. I played Ark for a little while. I had to stop playing Ark. It was too addictive. Um, it was stopping <laughs> me from making music. <laughs> nice. No more Ark. Um, what else? I, I used to play Overwatch back in the day. Um, I just bought Man Eater, but I haven't started playing it yet. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm at, and I got XCOM 2 also that I'm, I'm waiting to play. I haven't started playing that, but uh, I like, I like strategy games. So I got a little list of games to go through. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I've, I literally, I've, ju- I've just downloaded no man's sky. So literally, nice. it's waiting for me right now. It just appeared on the game pass. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're like, on Xbox. That's tough. well, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, it was a great chat with you. Uh, I'll let you know when yeah, this goes out and stuff and uh, all that kind of good stuff. And, um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, bro. Absolutely, man. It was a, it was a pleasure. All right. You have a good rest oh. of your day. You too, bro. Peace, thank man. Thank you. Peace out, man. Have a good one. <laughs>